Hello, and welcome to Farmers Capital Conversations. I'm your host, Casey Silveria. This podcast aims to help farmers expand your capital, whether social, intellectual, or economic. Investing on and off farm is hard enough. Here, we will provide insightful stories and resources to help out. Full transparency, this is our shameless way for you to like us and hopes you partner with us down the road. Lastly, there are no ads here. All I ask is you enjoy and share if you find value. Now, on to the episode. And it's like <laughs> the littlest things you can do on your farm that you don't think is that cool that can be like life-changing for somebody else, right? So don't ever forget yeah. that. Like don't ever forget about how cool it is to be a farmer because that thing that you take for granted can bring happy tears to somebody's eyes. And so just share it because you're sharing happiness. You're sharing what people want to know, what they want to hear, what they want to see is that happy, feel good story where our food comes from, connecting to our farms, knowing where our food comes from. It's all awesome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we have Michelle Miller on the show. She is also known as the Farm Babe. Uh, She is an international speaker, a published writer, a columnist, an online influencer, and a full-time advocate for agriculture. So excited to have her on the show today. Um, Yeah, Michelle, hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So, over the course of this podcast, um, I have realized that farmers, I can't help farmers diversify off the farm unless they have tools in their tool belt that they can use as it relates to running their operation and also managing the conversation. It's a very convoluted conversation out there, I feel like right now with non-GMOs and labeling and various narratives being pushed around by different marketing and general food companies. And so that's why I brought you on today to help us kind of dissect a lot of this conversation. Um, But I guess before we get into that nitty gritty conversation, maybe you could just tell us a little bit more about you, your background and your inspiration for doing what you do now. Yeah, absolutely. So I started the Farm Bay back in 2014. So it's been uh, seven and a half years. And I work to bridge the gap between farmers and consumers. And so I really take a science-based, evidence-based approach to debunking a lot of myths. That's really kind of been my niche on social media. And so I started it uh, really because I was inspired with a lot of the misinformation that's out there on the internet, whether that's regards to GMOs or so-called factory farming, some of these vegan Mm -hmm. animal rights activists, anti-GMO activists, all this kind of stuff that's just not even true about our industry. Why I'm passionate about this is because I used to be one of them. (laughs) And so yeah. I went to college in Los Angeles. Like I, I'm originally from Wisconsin. I grew up in Oshkosh and I was like a 4-H kid. So a lot of my friends were farm kids. And after school, we would ride horses and do chores. And I loved 4-H and the farm life. But, you know, in You ate school, some cheese curds as well, right? Oh, absolutely. You've got to have okay. some good like Culver's fried curds for, with Oh, yeah. Horse. Yeah. Ranch is like our fifth food group. There's four food groups, right? <laughs> no, in Wisconsin. That's like a juice category. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cheese curds are a category all on their own. Um, but uh, but anyway, yeah, in high school, you know, you meet with your teachers and guidance counselors and they tell you what you should major in. 
And everybody said agriculture, you should be a farmer, you should work as a veterinarian, you should you know, work with livestock. But I actually moved to Los Angeles and got a degree in fashion and worked for Gucci on Rodeo Drive. Because <laughs> that's what farmers Ooh. do, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it was the complete opposite of what I had loved, but I really just wanted to experience something else in life. Um, so, but what happens when you're in an urban area, you know, when you live in LA and Chicago, like I did, you know, I spent most of my twenties in downtown Chicago and, you know, you kind of fall victim to a lot of misinformation or, or, you know, just kind of those social circles where people say, well, we have to go gluten-free and vegan and non-GMO and organic and all this stuff. And that's really what I believed. And I had a personal trainer and just, you know, people in my, in my network that, you know, I believed were telling the the truth, well-intentioned people believing that you had to follow and buy into these very expensive food labels in order to make proper decisions for your health or your family or the planet or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of my background. But what happened was I actually ended up, uh, I met a farmer and I moved to rural Iowa. So instead of living in downtown Chicago, I moved to a town of a thousand people and began farming with him. <laughs> All right. So that was about a decade ago. And that's really when my learning started was when he was growing GMOs and had feedlots and hormones and antibiotics and all these things that I thought were really bad. I started learning direct from farmers and became inspired to tell their stories. Because if you look at a lot of people that believe bad things in the industry, they're well-intentioned. Like we all care about the planet, but Mm, the farmer's voice doesn't always get heard. And so I started the farm babe as a way to better talk about what we're doing on the farm and it just has completely grown from there. I love that. You're taking all of the skills that you acquired in your education, your background with Gucci. You understand that perspective, yeah. it seems like. And now you're able to use that perspective and really use it as a tool for agriculture. Yeah, for sure. And my degree is actually in visual communications, right? So it's kind of one of those things where uh, communications, marketing, visual display, anything like that. Um, So what I did with Gucci was visual communications, like I did all the window displays and merchandising and stuff. But when you're running in those social circles, you know, kind of like the Beverly Hills kind of crowd and the the elitist first world problems, if you will, you kind of you you move into that perspective, like you believe that we have to eat a certain way and go to yoga class and, you know, be little miss millennial. <laughs> no offense. Right. Cause I, I think I might be one who anyway, <laughs> but you just, when you go from that to the complete opposite side of the spectrum, when you go from downtown LA to, Oh, I'm going to be raising sheep now. Um, yep. uh, it's been really cool. And I absolutely fell in love with our industry. And so uh, my my ex and I are no longer together. I was in Iowa for most of my 30s. I'm 40 now. And now I live in Florida. So we went through a breakup. And during the pandemic, I moved to Florida. And now I live on a timber farm. So I've been traveling and learning about the forestry industry and um, just telling the story of our food and where it comes from. So it's been pretty awesome. Oh, that's a cool journey. And now you can use the same, the same kind of skill set and then kind of twist it a little bit for the timber industry now. Yeah. And Florida is so cool because when you farm in Iowa, it's beef, you know, it's pigs, it's corn, soybeans. It's kind of just your basic Midwest staples. And when you move to a place like Florida, that's hot and tropical year round, you know, we've got sugar cane and citrus and 
fruits and vegetables and just it's it's like hundreds of commodities and timber is a really big part of Florida as well. So people think, oh, Florida, you know, it's just like, yeah, it's Disney World and beaches. And it's like, no, like it is, I think, the third biggest commodity state for agriculture in the country. It's very diverse. I had no idea that timber was in Florida. It's a, I, I assumed the citrus, but never timber. Yep. The northern part, kind of like the Florida panhandle, is one of the biggest timber producing areas in the country. Wow. Okay. The more you know. <laughs> I know, right? I didn't know that either until I moved to Florida. And I was like, holy crap. Like if you fly into Gainesville, like my home airport, it's beautiful. It's like just trees go lower, like lots of pine, mm. lots of hardwoods. It's It's pretty cool. It's been cool to learn about. Yeah, that's the more you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of why I started this podcast. I was like, I, I admittedly, I don't ever claim to know very much about anything because you're always learning. Things are always evolving, um, especially with agriculture. Like you said, there's hundreds of crops grown in Florida alone, and they each have their, their all little economies. Yeah, yeah, it's been pretty I mean, cool. I say little, but. they're not little. Yeah. Everything's so unique. And, you know, being down there too, I've been around some really great people like university of Florida has really taken me under their wing and um, shown me a lot of things. I've worked with a lot of the researchers and, you know, every, every part of the country has its own hot topics, you know, and Florida it's people are saying, well, you know, Florida, it's got that delicate sandy soil. You're right at uh, sea level. You know, what are farmers doing to protect the land, protect the water? And it's, and it's an especially more sensitive ecosystem because we've got the Everglades and that hot tropical environment where things don't die in the winter. So everything is a little bit more sensitive. And so it's, it's just cool. It's cool to see and learn. And, uh, it's uh, it's a very, in my opinion, from what I what I've been learning every day is it just gives me more and more of an optimistic picture of the future of food when you see just how much care and research is going into making the world a better place. Like nothing's perfect, but when you see and talk to the industry experts and you see with your own two eyes and you look at the research and you understand it, it's like mind blowingly cool. And that's a really important comment because I feel like a lot of the narrative that goes around, it's like farmers don't care (laughs) about their land. They don't invest like they should. But I think farmers are one of the more sustainably minded folks out there because they understand rotational crops. Like if they understand if you deplete resources, you need to regenerate them in some way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's uh, when people think farmers don't care. Oh, gosh, that just drives me crazy. I would say it's the opposite. But I think part of it, too, is like, that's why I started the farm, babe. And like, I'm a keynote speaker, too. Right. So I traveled to all these conferences. And one of my main topics that I deliver on is the importance of advocacy and telling your story, because people, you know, like myself, right, like I can understand this when I lived in downtown L.A. or Chicago, When you think of big ag, you just think of some blank faceless corporation like a Monsanto or the government or, you know, but it's like, so it's easy to just kind of think like a conspiracy theorist would just go, they, right? It's like, they, like, (laughs) they they don't care about us. Who is they? Have you ever met they? Like, where does they work? You know? Well, they is a pronoun now, Michelle. So. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, and I identify as a jelly donut today, just saying. <laughs> just saying. That's going to affect That sounds pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean, right? Like everybody's oh, yeah. like, 
everybody's always like putting their their misinformation fear mongering or, or or whatever out there and you know but we've just we've got to tell the transparent side of who we are and realize that people love farmers but they don't always love farming and these are the same people mm. you are a farmer and you care about the planet you can be a large scale so-called factory type corporate farmer and you actually probably have the most environmental regulations than say like a smaller mid-size farmer and so oftentimes mm -hmm. perception yep. is reversed where people are like oh big ag doesn't care and it's like you are actually probably regulating big ag out of business but like we need to stop because we need big farms to feed the world. 1% of the population are farmers feeding 100%. We can't expect the world to be fed off of fairies and pixie dust. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. hard work and we've got to share these stories and connect with these people that do it every day, you know? Yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. There's right now I'm dealing with a lot of the, the regulations or getting into the nitty gritty with these carbon credits and, you know, a carbon credit emissions and allowances and offsets and all of these things. And like you said, it's the, the big facilities that are really getting strict restricted on having to pay these basically their fines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but as we, you know, we think about the listeners of this podcast, Michelle, we have, we have farmers, we have real estate investors, um, all across the board, what are some tools that we can provide um, to our listeners today that, you know, help them have that conversation around, you know, what you deal with on a daily basis? Yeah. I mean, social media, social media, social media, number one way to reach millions of people for free. And it's also a way to diversify your income. So, you know, let's talk about the title of your podcast, Farming for Passive Income. Um, as you build a social media following, you can farm for passive income through social media. And so, you know, uh, you look at some farmers that are also YouTubers, and they are easily making six or sometimes seven figures off of telling their stories on social media. So like, we have to get out there. We have to be talking about it. And it can be a way for you to diversify your farm. Or, I mean, for myself, in the sense of starting the farm babe now, I guess it's been seven or eight years ago now, you know, I actually don't have time to be a farmer anymore. So I do the farm babe as a full-time occupation. Whereas some farmers say, no matter what, I am a farmer first and a parent and a spouse second. And the social media thing is third. For me, social media has take precedence. I don't have, a, mm -hmm. have kids or anything like that. And so it's kind of like, this is the path that I've chosen is you can have a full-time career as an advocate for our industry, which is pretty cool. It's 10 years ago that that career probably didn't exist, you know? So mm -hmm. I tell people listening to say, just get out there, start a TikTok, start a Twitter, start a Facebook. It takes a couple minutes to get going. You never know what could go viral and it can lead to sponsors. It can lead to partners. It can lead to maybe, um, you hear stories about these YouTuber farmers that, you know, they, they sign these big sponsors with equipment manufacturers where, Hey, you know, that, that $30,000 piece of equi equipment, you know, now you don't have to pay to use that and you just have to do some, some posts, you know? So when you talk about, income, there are the sky's the limit when it comes to, I mean, I've been gifted seeds. And when I was, when I was on the farm in Iowa, 
was gifted, you know, seeds and chemistries and all sorts of stuff that you can try on your farm for free in exchange for some social media posts or maybe even get paid to post about it. I mean, this can be uh, a very lucrative part of uh, farming business diversification. So absolutely. Mm -hmm. I feel like there are so many other people executing this social media strategy and they're doing it for shoes and yoga pants and Gucci brands like you once sold, <laughs> but we're not really using that tool in the ag space. And I myself as am a culprit of this, you know, I've never really been big on social media, but I've realized I kind of need to step into that channel a little bit more just to get the word out on what I do myself. Um, I really believe in the product. I think it's very much needed. Um, and so I myself am going into that. Um, but I guess for me, you know, there's always mental hurdles. When I grew up, social media was never a thing. It just started becoming a thing when I was in high school, but posting online was never consistent. I was always scared to be vulnerable to my audience as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess how did how did you overcome a lot of those you know mental um, hurdles when you start first started getting into the the farm babe business? That's a great question. So uh, I believe that too. I, I had fears of that as well, and it's a very valid question, and it's something that. For me, I was just following other people and people that I admired. And so I was kind of reaching out to them to ask them that question. And they kind of just gave me the encouragement to do it. And really, we have to realize that if it, it all gets easier with practice, you just, you just got to do it. You just got to do it and you just got to practice it. But over time, you, you get better and you get more refined, you get more comfortable. You should have heard the first time I did a podcast. Oh my God. Like I was a <laughs> nervous idiot. And now it's like, Oh, a podcast. Yeah. I can do that in my sleep. Right. So you just have to start it and it becomes easy with practice and look up to people that you admire, see how they're doing it, see what things you like from others or what you don't like, find your own niche. They say, if you appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. So figure out like which avenue it is that is your passion that you want to share with the world and just go for it. And remember that if you have any type of negativity, pushback, whatnot, remember that your audience is always going to be in your corner and that 1% or 2% of haters or trolls, they don't matter. It's a reflection of them, not you. And if people don't want to follow you, they don't have to. If they like you, they will. And that's what it all boils down to. So ignore the negativity, do what you do. And I promise you, you will have a vast majority of cheerleaders in your corner as your followers. And it's, um, it's also a really great way to just connect and, um, give you a purpose, you know, it's cool. Yeah. And it grows your community as well. Yeah. hundred percent. Like you start putting yourself out there, you start your, your world opens up mm, a little yeah. bit more. It seems yeah. like when you think about, Okay, think about everything in life. Like we trust who we like. If you want to buy something, you buy it from people that we like, people that we trust. And when you put yourself out there and your face on social media, I think about my favorite people that I follow, even people not in agriculture, like maybe a lifestyle blogger. I follow her because I like her. I feel like I know her as a person because she shows us her life. I have seen pictures of her and her husband. She just she just got married. They just bought a house. They just had a baby. And so it's kind of seeing like, oh, what's next? Like, oh, her daughter's one now. And you feel like you could really be best friends with the person in real life. 
And so that's what makes it fun. That's what makes it a community is when you feel like your followers are your friends or your family. And, 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 and they like that too, right? So that's why people follow each other is it's like you build that community and that, and that trust and mm-hmm. that influence and that fun, that friendship, you know? Yeah. And to that note, I feel like people also put, you know, social media influencers and just people who are more vocal on social media kind of on a pedestal and think of them as, you know, they're not a real person. But over the last year, I was getting over these barriers myself. I went to this conference um, in Miami and these people in real estate that I really looked up to, they were there. I introduced myself and it was just awesome because they wanted to help me. I wanted to help them. They were real people wanting to do good things for not only their investors, but for the world. And I was like, these are my people. Exactly. This is great. Yes, exactly. Miami's a good place for that too, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, there's a lot of fun things that happen down there. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, and the real estate industry down there is insane. I've been down there too and then learned a little bit about that myself. And whoo <laughs> there's some high dollar stuff down there. <laughs> yes, that indeed, that is lots, true. And beautiful, very, beautiful things as well. Yeah, lots of very passionate real estate people in South Florida for sure. Yeah. Earlier, Michelle, you talked a lot about, you know, kind of niching down. If if you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. I really like that point. How can a farmer who grows variety of different crops, how can they niche down as simple and not make it overly complicated? If they understand the value of social media, but they're wondering, how do I even get started? You know, what should I talk about? You know, what, what is valuable to my audience? You know, what are some of the, maybe a couple um, steps that they could follow there yeah. as far as niching down and getting out there? Yeah. Great question. And if you look at the people out there on social media that are successful in our industry, you think about kind of what they do, right? Like you look at somebody like Zach Johnson, millennial farmer, all he does is super casual, candid, long form YouTube videos about what he's doing day to day. You talk to some guys that are trying different equipment types. You talk to some guys that take you on a journey through what seed or chemical, uh, what, uh, what programs they're doing on their farm, why they're diversifying, why are they doing what they're doing. You have some guys that just do goofy TikToks like Growing Corn 2020 on TikTok that's just out there dropping a bunch of F-bombs and that's just him. <laughs> him. And if Tony wants to do it that way, Tony can do it that way. He's got a huge fan base. Because he just keeps it real with his raw like thoughts that are just, hey, if you don't like a guy that's going to be opinionated that drops a bunch of F-bombs, he's probably not for you. But yep. he's got a niche. My niche is myth busting. Uh, maybe somebody else's niche is, you know, like Megan Dairy Girl. She's really good at just day-to-day dairy farming um, tidbits of information. And her husband does his TED Talk Tuesday. His name's Ted. They're friends of mine. They're great people. Um, but you just think about what they do. You got somebody like a New York Farm Girls uh, that has started in high school and now we're watching them over the years grow, get married, go off to college, like move away. And that's just more of like a personal blog. Like we love what they're doing in dairy advocacy. So I would say to other farmers, think about what it is that is really passionate to you. Like for me, I want to help consumers not fear their food. Maybe if you're listening to this, you say, hey, I really want to be the leader. 
I want to be the expert of my crop in my region. And you have the power to do that. Or you can say, hey, did you know that I won an award for XYZ? Did you know that I have the number one yield in my state for XYZ? And you can go out there and talk about it. And people want to know, mm-hmm. why yeah. did you why did you get 900 bushel soybeans last week? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's a little high, but hey, Just maybe someone had a fat attention. finger. <laughs> but, you know, all these funny different ways. And it, maybe that could be a niche. Maybe somebody could have like a satire channel of like, yeah, I got 900 bushel beans, you know, like something funny. So <laughs> yeah. there is the sky's the limit when it comes to thinking about what you want. I just gave somebody their freaking million dollar idea. I tell you what that just was, but maybe there's, maybe there's somebody out there that wants to have like a a comedy show. You know what I mean? There are so many ways. Just think about who it is. That's true to you. You know? Yeah. What's your, I think you bring up, what's your, you bring up a good point What's about people with, or, I take my my father, for instance. He's had many awards over the years for alfalfa seed. Um, he will never boast about it at all. I mean, I barely dig it out of him. Yeah. I have to find these things and be like, wait, you got that award? That's awesome. Like, why did you tell me about that? Yeah. Anyway, that's just their nature. Um, but I, I feel like there, there's underneath, like I understand the boasting and no one wants to be prideful um too much right but there's also the fact that you got that award for a reason mm-hmm. and the knowledge behind the award whether that's in the operations um how the type of seed who the supplier of the seed was how you managed the seed what was the timing all of these different things that w- gave way to this award mm-hmm. like that is the knowledge that I think needs to be shared more and more so we can get better as a community and just better as an industry as well. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree with you more. And there's nothing wrong with sharing your successes. The most successful people in the world are the ones that are out there sharing their successes. Tony Robbins didn't become some crazy billionaire because he said, yeah, I'm okay. You know, like he's out there being like, here's how to be freaking successful. And he's successful at teaching people how to be successful. Gary Vee, all these entrepreneurs, anybody who's anybody in the world of business and influence is the ones talking about how awesome they are. And they don't do it in an arrogant way. I mean, of course, some people do once in a while, but generally speaking, how did Oprah get her start? Oprah is the real influencer. These guys are the real OG influencers. It's just that nowadays anybody can do it on social media for free. And you might not be an Oprah billionaire, but you sure as hell can, you know, make a six figure income at least off of it. But don't be shy, you know, get out there and talk about it. People want to know the secret and, and maybe there's not even a secret, but there you have it. Mm -hmm. Somebody like your dad, that's like, um, yeah, I got this award. Here's how I did it. There's your YouTube channel. Next thing you know, he's got followers and industry and successes and sponsors and, you know, yep. income, the name of the podcast, Farming for Passive Income. There's your passive income. Yeah. What, what's I wanted to, I asked you earlier and I um, wanted to come back to what, uh, what's yours? What would your like passion be? Like your, if you had a niche on social media, what would, what would Casey's niche be? My niche is helping farmers diversify off farm. There you so, go. 
couple years ago, I found out about how I can help investors invest into commercial real estate like self-storage, larger apartment complexes, become equity owners, just like the big boys up at the top. But we can do it at a smaller scale and at a very, in a very advantageous way. And so to get help diversify their income streams out of the stock market, out of these mutual funds and into real commercial real estate assets. So cool. that's my thing. And that's what I've been helping um, my dad get into. And that's why I'm building a company with my, my cousin right now. Cool. So do you have, do you yourself have a lot of this diversification into different commercial real estates and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So that's interesting. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that because I have a friend of mine who, who I know, like trust, respect, who's kind of my financial advisor a little bit, if you will. And he is the classic farmer, classic, like low cost index funds, you know, this, 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 and this, you know, make sure you're putting more into this and more into that. And like, I do that. But at the same time, I'm like, but I'm also saving a lot and I don't know what I'm saving for yet, but I feel like what you're talking about is something maybe I could use help with, or maybe other people can use some help with where you say like, yeah, I don't know what I should do, but I should probably like, I keep saying, I'm just saving for something that comes across my desk. That's like this cool farm opportunity or this cool land or whatever investment or where just, but for me, it's just kind of <laughs> to your point of passive. Um, I'm not actively looking for it. I just hope that someday yeah. I, I hear from a friend or somebody sends me a listing that's like, look at this. And I said, oh, that's a good long-term investment. So as much as he's like, are you investing more in your low-cost index funds? I was like, yes, but I want to diversify into maybe real estate. Maybe I want to build a house someday and maybe it'd be cool to pay cash for it. You know, like just exciting things like that where you yep. say, well, I've got this, but I want to do that and invest here and invest there. Hmm. Yep. Never know what'll happen. Exactly. And my whole investment premise is I want to help farmers keep doing what they're doing at the local level because mm -hmm. I think they're, the more competition, the better. Um, I don't want to see wow. farmers keep getting gobbled up. Yeah, And so I want to help create um, income streams that they, you know, they do their due diligence, but we're managing the assets and doing the work for them. Cool. Makes perfect sense. I like it. Yeah. So it's no, it's less work for them, you know, a little bit more work up front perhaps. Um, but at the end of the day, they don't have to go fix the plumbing or manage the tenants or fix the roof, you know, all of these types of things. Um, they already do enough of that Yeah, on their own farms. Isn't that the truth? So you help manage those assets for them. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yep. Cool. That's exactly it, Michelle. Well, we're coming up on the time, but I mean, Michelle, thank you so much for today. Is there one thing that you would like to leave our listeners? You know, we've talked a lot about social media, how to get out there. Actually, before we close, I would love to talk about at least one of the myths you're busting right now. Yeah, I think one of my favorite myths to bust is on these so-called factory farms. Like I hate it when people believe that livestock are raised in like these cruel, torturous conditions on large scale farms, or people think that factory farmers don't care. But a lot of times it's the opposite where it's like factory, so-called factory or corporate farmers. It, it doesn't matter how big of a farm you are, that your values haven't really changed. So maybe you started off farming 50 years ago with 
you started with 10 cows and now you got 5,000, right? It doesn't make you a bad person because your farm grew. Maybe it made you a better business person and technology has evolved and comfort has evolved and genetics and all of these things that allow farmers to do more with less and take better care of animals than ever before. So I think one of my biggest take homes, especially coming from once believing in the factory farm myths, now coming full circle to feeling the opposite way any farmer can do a great job regardless of size or label. And that's what I really like to take home is just get, get home for people is to realize that any decision on what you purchase to eat can be a good decision. Um, I am a fan of buying local and knowing your farmer when possible, but knowing that if you are buying maybe the cheapest meat on the shelf or the most expensive, either one of those could be a healthy, viable, uh, good option for affordable proteins and animal care. It's like, Farmers care, regardless of that size. Um, there's a lot of research that goes into making sure that we, I think I think animals are just one of the biggest things because it hits us right in the heart in the fields. Like we all mm-hmm. best for animals, and so the more I've learned about their care, the more I'm like, oh, like this. I'm like really comfortable. You know, I'm really comfortable with the food supply, and that's what I want more people to understand. Yeah, I love it, Michelle. Yeah, busting the myth about factory farms. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, is that the one thing you'd like to leave us with or is there just one more little golden nugget? Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just um, I want farmers to realize the power of their own voice, I think would be my big takeaway is that as farmers, sometimes I feel like they just do what they do every day and kind of take it for granted because it's all they've ever done. It's all they've ever known. Or maybe they just feel like it's a lost cause or that consumers don't care. And I know when I started my platform, I didn't think anybody would really care. You know, like I was like, do people even want to hear this information? Like, I don't know. I'm just going to start a blog and see what sticks. But now I'm reaching about four to five million people a month. And if every farmer was out there doing it, even if it's just a little bit, or even if you think your voice doesn't make a difference together, if we unify our voices, we really can move mountains within the industry. And I want farmers to realize that when you are looking at that beautiful sunset every day, it's beautiful. You know, it's beautiful, but maybe you take it for granted. Maybe you take your combine equipment, the technology, the seeds, the the field, the bountiful harvest. Maybe it's all you've ever known. And, and maybe we take it for granted. Whereas if you take that, what you see every day and put it out there for the general public, I guarantee you, they're going to think that's really cool. They really want to feel more connected to their food, but farmers just have to say, yeah, this is pretty cool, isn't it? Actually, do we have time for one more quick story? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I just came back from South Africa and I went to this peach farm. It's one of the biggest peach farms in the Southern Hemisphere. And Farmer Jimmy was really cool. They've they've been very successful. And they took me on an African safari on their own farm that's private just for them, just for friends and family. They don't open it to the public. It's just something they have. And... I got to go on this safari. I saw lions and hippos and giraffes and like all sorts of crazy stuff. You name it. Like little, it was like a real life Lion King. Okay. So I get back to the farmer and we're hanging out. They they were having a big barbecue, a braai that night. And I was hanging out with them and all their friends and family were there. And I saw farmer Jimmy and I just started crying and I was crying happy tears. I gave him a big hug and I was like, this is the coolest day of my life. Like I just held a baby meerkat. I held a baby lion cub. Like I was like, what, what just happened? Like what, what just happened here? And I was like, this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced. And he just looks at me like 
all like blank face because it's like what he's done his whole life. And he's from South Africa. So he's just like, uh, just another day in the life. Yep. And me and he goes, I guess it is kind of cool, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even know it's that cool. And it's like <laughs> the littlest things you can do on your farm that you don't think is that cool. That can be like life changing for somebody else. Right. So don't ever forget yeah. that. Like, don't ever forget about how cool it is to be a farmer. Cause that thing that you take for granted can bring happy tears to somebody's eyes. And so just share it because you're sharing happiness. You're sharing what people want to know, what they want to hear, what they want to see is that happy, feel good story where our food comes from connecting to our farms, knowing where our food comes from. It's all awesome. So that would be my last inspirational story to say, Hey farmers, I know you're just turning the bull out to pasture. You're just moving some sheep that day. There's just a, another newborn lamb and you see them all the time. Take a video, take a picture, post it because it will brighten somebody's day. I love that, Michelle. Thanks. Thank you for that story. That's good perspective. <laughs> Sorry if I go off on a little tangent once in a while. No, you, you are good. That's what it's for. <laughs> I was like, dude, this is the coolest thing ever. And he's like, yeah, I guess it is pretty yeah, cool. It is cool. <laughs> Like you get to do this every day. Do you realize how lucky you are? Have you seen your view? Yeah, yeah for real. It is a nice cool. view, isn't it? Oh, come on. Mm. <laughs> well, Michelle, where can people get a hold of you and know more about you? Yeah, so my website is thefarmbabe.com. You can find Farm Babe on Facebook or search at the Farm Babe. The Farm Babe is my handle on everything, whether you like TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Twitter. Uh, what did I say? Everything, everything. I'm on everything. So, um, but yeah, the farmbabe.com would be my website to learn more and connect. So look forward to hearing from some of your listeners. Awesome. Well, I hope they do reach out to you in the near future. So Michelle, thank you so much for coming on, giving your unique perspective and all of your stories. I hope to talk to you soon. You as well. Thank you so much. All right. See you, Michelle. See ya.